Thank you all for being on time. Okay, as we continue to let folks join in here, it's about 4.01, so I'm gonna get started. Um, folks will keep joining in, so I'll let them come in, and this is being recorded, as you guys probably know. Um, so if you need to, if you miss part of it, or if you, you join in late, or you, your friends join in late, you can tell them they can come back later and watch it on Bill's channel. So my name is Kevin Sales. I'm a probate expert for a title insurance company, and I've been um, dealing with probate, cut my teeth on probate back in 1995. So I'm going to share with you today uh, what I call the, the top five mistakes for um, people make in, in probate real estate. I see this all the time, whether they're in California, whether they're across the nation, uh, very similar across the board. So I'm going to cover the top five things to not make an error on so that you can prevent having issues in your, in your transactions. And this will help you whether you are an investor or whether you are a uh, a real estate agent or, or whatever part of probate real estate you're involved in. And then towards the end, I'll have some time for Q and A. So if you have questions um, when I'm, you know, when I'm done, ask your questions, write them down, ask them, you can put them in the chat or you can just, you know, unmute and ask those questions uh, when, I'm, when I'm done with the presentation. So thank you guys for being here. I'm glad you guys were on time and we're going to get started now. So the, the first mistake, and I kind of scheduled this or, or wrote these down in order, like from beginning to end of the transaction. So they're gonna kind of go along um, the timing of a transaction uh, that you would be involved in. So the first one I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention though is not getting a copy of your letters up front. And I will take it a step further and say, not comparing your letters to the title ownership of the property. Here's why it's a problem. I was doing a transaction several years back and a client of mine had a, a probate transaction. We start this transaction. I'll give you the very shortened version. I've heard the story so many times, but I'll give you the shortened version of the story. Um, we talk in November. She tells me she has this probate transaction. I tell her some basics. And there, I get to a point where I'm like, hey, I can't tell you any more about the transaction because I don't know what type of case we're dealing with because I haven't seen your letters. And I said, so give me the letter. She said, okay, great, I'll do that. We have more conversations about the letters. This is November of some year. More conversation about those letters in December. By January, I'm telling her, look, I'm getting really concerned. The letters are the first legal document that is meaningful for a real estate transaction that come out of the case, and you haven't produced those yet. She said, oh, no problem, I'll work on it. Long story short, by February, they're supposedly ready to fund the loan, and I tell her, Look, I've been telling you over and over, I need to copy the letters. I don't even know what type of case we're dealing with here in California because I haven't seen the letters. I say, we have to have those now. And she says, oh, it's really that important? Yes, I've been telling you this all this time. Well, she go, goes to the attorney, talks to the attorney, finds out the letters have never even been filed. Without letters, no one is in charge of the estate. The letters are, it, it, it's called letters, plural, but it's a one-page document normally that gives a person power over the state. That's what puts a person in charge and gives them the right and power to act on behalf of the state. So without the letters, the only person that can do a transaction is the person who's dead and dead people can't sign documents. So uh, the first step is obtain a copy of the letter. Second step is compare those letters to the vested title ownership of the property. If the ownership of the property, the deed is that, you know, someone sells the property to John Doe and John Doe is our owner of that property, that needs to be compared to the letters. It should be the estate of John Doe. If those things match up, you know, you have the, the right estate and, and the right letters. Um, I, I had a case one time where there were more than one party on the property and I think what happened is when the attorney first filed the case, they didn't realize who died last. It was the last to die in this situation whose, whose estate had to be probated, and they didn't know who died last. And so therefore, they um, could not, or I'm sorry, they filed the probate case for the wrong party. And so, uh, you know, they were well into a transaction and realized, oh, we got the wrong party. So they had to refile their case. So looking at the letters up front is very important. When you sign a contract or a listing agreement, you've got to make sure that the letters are for the deceased party whose name you saw on title to that property. Very important piece of the puzzle up front. So that's the first mistake. Don't make that mistake. It's an easy one. Um, you can contact your title company. We can tell you who's on title. We can send you a copy of the vesting deed. Compare that to the letters that they have for that estate. Okay, next, 
not using the proper forms, proper legal forms when doing your transaction. Um, and, and I'm going to cover this in two ways. So first and foremost, many times attorneys will not want to see a contract other than the California Association of Realtors contract or whatever state you're in contract for a probate transaction. Attorneys may reject the contract. So I know what some of you investors might be thinking, well, what about when it's an investor and I do a one-page contract or I have my own contract? There's nothing saying that you can't do that. It's just that oftentimes your escrow will have to add some clauses to the, the escrow instructions or add some other clauses to cover things like um, if you know, in, in California, if it's a court confirmation sale or non-court confirmation, sometimes sales that don't have court confirmation, there's verbiage in those documents that say, hey, if it's a, if the sale is objected to, it can go to court confirmation. So there's, and depending on your state, the legal verbiage may be different. So there may be something that the escrow has to add into the escrow instructions to cover some of the legalities. So you just need to be mindful of that. Not a big thing if you want to use your own contract, but sometimes attorneys will say, I've seen attorneys say, nope, don't sign that. Uh, send us the new contract on the appropriate state forms. So just be mindful of that, um, that one thing. All right, so that's, that's the, the second uh, mistake or thing to avoid in a probate. Uh, now, third, not signing your contract or your listing agreement as soon as letters are issued. So I mentioned earlier that when letters are issued, you have the power. I'm sorry, the person who's put in charge of the state has the power to list the property. I think it's a big mistake if you don't sign your contract right away. Yes, there can be times when there's other things in the case that have to be done before sale happens. Yes, there can be times when the parties aren't ready, they need to do a clean out, they need to do an estate sale, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you jeopardize your ability to get that transaction. So when, I, when I'm talking to agents or investors that are, are working with a transaction, I'll ask them things like, I'll say, well, who is this party to you? Are they just some probate lead that you found and, and you're talking to, or you were door knocking and found them? Or is it like a family member or a cousin or a relative? And if they say, oh, it's my cousin or it's my aunt or, or I'm the uncle of the decedent, then I say, okay, you're probably fine. You don't have to worry about it. They're not going to go to someone else, your family, they're going to use you. But I'll tell you right now, I've seen numerous instances where People delayed getting their documentation signed, whether it was a contract, excuse me, a contract for sale or whether it was a listing agreement. And in the meantime of waiting to to waiting for whatever to happen to put that property on the market or to go into escrow, the the parties met someone else, talked to someone else and put the property on the market with someone else. Um, I, I've even heard numerous stories where you say, oh, I talked to the party. Their hearing isn't until next month. And at that hearing, they will actually... Um, you know, probably get appointed and have letters. And so I'm going to follow up with them. And the hearing, let's say, is, you know, March 12th. And so the person being a smart person contacts them on March 11th. And they're like, oh, we've decided to go with someone else. You're like, well, wait a minute. You said the hearing was, you know. And so I, I always say, stay in touch with them. Keep following up with them before their date follow up. And sometimes, you know, um, agents and or investors have even gone to the court hearing with the party. That way they're there. And I've, I've heard uh, a client that said, oh, yeah, and then we signed a contract right there in the hallway at the courthouse. But the key is the letters have to be issued first. That way you know who has the powers, and then you can enter your agreement. If you enter an agreement before they have the powers, you could have an issue. When you're in escrow, we could have an issue because we have a contract signed when someone didn't have the power to sign it. Um, you could even have a situation where you think the oldest son is going to be designated the administrator, and yet it ends up being the youngest daughter that ends up getting designated as the administrator. The administrator is the person who's in charge. And so if that is the case, you know, and you signed before they had those powers, it's too, too early. So again, just reiterating, when they get the letters is when they can sign, and I would do it right away to secure your interest or your contract or your listing. All right. Um, I see a question in there. It just happened to pop up. So I saw it says, who provides the letters? The letters are a court order. It is issued by the court. Um, in, in almost every state that I've seen them, it is a court form um, that you fill in the blanks. Although some states I have seen where it's like a, it, it's like a, it's like a, uh, it's not really a court form, but it's like a paragraph that's written and you just fill in the names. Like John Doe is appointed administrator of the estate of Mickey Mouse, blah, 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 blah. But the court orders, if you don't know, court orders are written by the attorneys 
given to the judge to sign. Judge signs off on them based on whatever hearing or whatever matters were heard. And then they, the, then they become signed by the judge and they're uh, an official court order. So the letters are, are prepared by the attorney, submitted to the court, signed by the judge. Once they're signed by the judge, then it's an actual order. Those letters would be official at that point. All right, so this brings us to number four, failing to give the contract to the attorney immediately upon being signed. So first I'm gonna say this, you know, uh, you may have heard that saying, it's better to ask for forgiveness than to beg for permission. Uh, the reason for that saying is, uh, well, not the reason for the saying, the reason I bring that up is because sometimes attorneys will have their own parties they want involved. I had one attorney, this attorney was doing his job and he was doing his job right. He was advising his client that the property should be listed on the MLS and put on the market and marketed. And the client, the situation was that there had been a fire. The decedent actually was killed in that fire. There was exposed asbestos. It was a hazard area. The family was like, we don't want anybody going inside. It's a hazard. It, it, there's liability. We have a person that wants to buy it. They gave us an offer that's reasonable. We want to sell to this investor because you can't have a regular buyer anyway because it's burned up. You can't get a loan, a regular loan. So, so they wanted to do that. Well, the attorney was doing his job. It's in that situation. It's the attorney's job to say you should market it to the fullest and try to get the best price. So, even if you are the one uh, referring an attorney to the sellers, realize the attorney's going to do his job, and his job is his or her job is to advise his client to to do the things that will get the best possible price. This attorney had a great mindset. This investor said, "Wants to talk to the attorney because he's advising him against signing the contract with me." And, um, and so, so I ended up talking to that attorney and the attorney had the perfect mindset. This is what the attorney told me. The attorney said, he was a really nice guy too. The attorney said, yeah, I'm advising my client that they should put the property on the market. The client has the right to. I have to take my advice to my contract and go right into escrow, but I'm advising that they should put it on the market. That's perfect because he's doing his job. He knows that's his job. He's doing that and that the party does not have to listen to the attorney. They can do their own thing. But his advice as rightfully so would be to put the property on the market. But the reason I'm saying ask for forgiveness rather than ask for permission is it's better to, you know, when they know they have the power, when you know they have the power to sign, it's better to go to get them to sign. When they have a, the letters, it's better to have them sign your contract or your agreement um, and, and, and accept your offer or accept an offer that's brought in than it is to go ask the attorney, hey, is it okay if they sign or can, can we sign this agreement now? Because, you know, all, all the different things that, that, I, that, that can happen, such as the attorney could have their own agent that they want to list the property. So they're like, no, no, don't sign that agreement. I want you to list with my friend. Um, I've, I've heard, this is kind of rare, but I've even heard of situations where um, the attorney had their own investors that they wanted to buy the property. Most attorneys don't do that stuff because there's some ethical problems there, but why open the door or why leave an opening for any challenges or problems in your transaction? If you have a contract signed, you have a contract. It's signed by someone who is authorized to sign it. You're good to go. So I would say sign that thing. Once it's signed, then you do want to send it over to the attorney. For our California probates, when that contract is signed and sent to the attorney, the attorney has steps he has to take. For instance, on a full authority sale with no court confirmation, the attorney has to do a notice of proposed action. He's going to take a few small details out of the contract, like sales price, approximate closing date, put those on the notice of proposed action, and he's going to file that in the case file. He's also going to send that to all the heirs. That way, everyone knows the, the administrator or, or executor is selling the property for this price and we're planning to close on this date. And those heirs have 15 days to dispute that. That notice of proposed action, your title company and escrow company is going to ask for that because we have to have that prior to closing the transaction. So when you give that contract to the attorney, it's very important that you do that. And a special note here, uh, maybe I'll, I'll save that for a question. I'm going to write that down. I'll save that for a question towards the end to see if anyone knows the answer. So um, I'm writing myself a note to have a little pop quiz uh, when I'm done here in a few minutes. Okay, second thing, if it is a court confirmation sale here in California, if it requires court confirmation, they are gonna take that contract, they file the report of sale with the court, and that is what generates the court confirmation hearing. So when they get your contract, they file it with the court, and that is what creates the court date to, to hear or approve the sale okay so if you don't give the contract to your 
attorney to the attorney as soon as you have the signed contract it's going to cause a delay in, in you getting your, your your approval your court confirmation hearing so, um, so that's a very important thing side note on the court confirmation hearings even though you know we had experienced covid and there was a slowdown and there was a backlog and all that um the good news is court confirmation hearings are happening relatively quickly we are seeing them about three to four weeks from the time period that the attorney files the report of sale so that's good news and usually they get the hearing date and time like almost immediately they file it electronically and like within a few hours they have uh the hearing date and time uh, it, it may take a day or so but it's usually pretty quick um so that's good news uh court confirmation hearings are a priority item in the court and so they they expedite those and get them soon get them quick um, after that court confirmation hearing that court order that comes out of that hearing is a required document to close. So we got to we got to get that to close. So that brings us to number five. Um, number five is the parties involved, whether it's an agent or an investor, not knowing the three things required to close your probate sale. And and this is the thing I think about. Um, I've been I've been doing this business for I started in this business 28 years ago. The requirements to close a transaction were the same. 28 years ago as they are now i'd be willing to bet that 28 years from now the requirements will be the same unless laws change or there's some huge lawsuit that changes everything case law something like that the requirements are going to be the same so why wouldn't you know automatically this is what i'm going to need you you know the disclosures the you know for those of you who are real estate agents the listing that you haven't even taken yet that you're going to take six months from now you know what the disclosures are you know what disclosures go with a property. You, you know that you have your forms or whatever. So you know what disclosures go along with it. Why wouldn't you know the things that are required on a probate sale? So let's go over those. Let's go over those right now. There's three documents that title and escrow are going to require to close your probate sale. In California, those of you who know, we have two different types of sales, full authority and limited authority. That authority is, is designated on the letters. So the, the second reason we need to see the letters is because the letters tell you who's in charge and what authority they have. If they have full authority, that means they sell the property. It's pretty much like a regular sale for you. They sell the property and then they report everything after the fact, after it's closed, after the fact. They do have to file the notice of the proposed action to notify the heirs, but they don't have to report, say anything to the court saying, hey, this is what we're doing. Do we have approval? Nothing like that. Okay. So the three documents on a full authority sale are a certified copy of the letters. So um, I, I was administrator of an estate and when the letters were filed, my attorney automatically obtained two or three certified copies and just mailed them to me because they know you're gonna need this, so here they are. If you're in a situation where the person doesn't know that or didn't do it, they can order them from the court. Uh, many attorneys have people that are down at the courthouse uh, you know, almost every day, and they'll just pick it up when they're there. If not anyone, it's a public court documents and filings are public record, unless cases are, are, are um, I don't remember what they call it, but unless cases are closed, where like it's a star or a celebrity where they don't want public knowledge of what's going on. So anyone can walk into the courthouse uh, in LA County, it's the downtown LA courthouse. If you're in a different county, go to, you know, find out in that county, you go to the courthouse, there's a room, you walk in, you fill out the form saying, this is what I want. You find it on their website, fill out the form, and you walk out of there minutes later with the copy of the letters. Uh, even during COVID, when you had to have appointments, actually during COVID, it was better. Um, I had to do this twice on situations I was dealing I saw it three times on situations I was dealing with. Um, two of the situations, I was out of the courthouse in 10 minutes with my document in hand. The third situation, I, I had to get 14 copies of letters and um so on that one or actually i think it was actually court orders on that one they made me wait i think i waited an hour and a half but it's easy you go in there you fill out the form you get the certified copies and you're done the certified copy is the one that's stamped certified that actual piece of paper with that wet stamp on it is what we require as a title company we want that piece of paper so you can't scan it and email it to us we have to send us that actual piece of paper so you get that piece of paper take it to your escrow and they'll send it over to us so that's the first thing certified copy of the letters a plain copy. Well, Kevin, what's a plain copy? That means it could be a photocopy. It could be an email. You can scan it, send it to us as a PDF. Anything's fine. A plain copy of the notice of proposed action. So the second document we require on a full authority sale is a plain copy, just a regular email of the notice of proposed action. 
I mentioned earlier that there's a 15 day waiting period. So I'm gonna have a little quiz about that in a moment, but we have to wait the 15 days in order to close because the family has 15 days to object to the sale. And if they object, they have to solve the problem. Once it's all solved, the attorney would say everything's solved and we're ready to move forward. And the last thing is just an email from the attorney saying there's no estate taxes due. Um, if you guys know, or if you don't know, estate taxes are five point something million. It was 5.3 a few years ago. I think it goes up every year by some cost of living index, but it's five point something million for an individual, 11 um, or, or yeah, close to 11 million for a couple. So if, if there is an estate that's larger than that amount, you pay taxes on the amount over that 5.4 or whatever it is, five point something million dollars the lion's share of your estates are under that. There are some states that are above that, but the lion's share of them are under that. If there are estate taxes due, those become a lien on the real property and those taxes have to be paid. So as a title company, when we get the wire from the lender or from the cash from the buyer, we will pay those estate taxes at closing before we disperse the money to escrow to be able to close out the file. So a very important piece of the puzzle. Okay, so those are the three documents on a full authority sale. Certified copy of the letters, plain copy of the uh, notice of proposed action, and an email from the attorney saying no estate taxes due. It literally needs to be one sentence. On this case, the estate of John Doe, there are no estate taxes due. They literally can send that one sentence and that's it. As long as we see that, you know, it's on the attorney's, you know, web uh, email, you know, blah, 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 their office info is on there, then, then we accept that. Okay, on a full authority sale, let's talk about the three documents we need on that one. On a full authority, I'm sorry, on, on a limited authority sale, this is limited authority. These are the, the transactions that require court confirmation. There are three documents that title and escrow require to close those sales. Number one, a plain copy of the letters. So you can just get a copy of the letters, scan them and email them to us, all right? And if you ever have trouble getting the letters, call me because I, I can get these for you. It's not a real complicated thing. I can help you get them, no problem. So if you have a problem with the transaction, you're doing that um, and I'm doing the title, I will make sure that you can get those. So just let me know. Um, so plain copy of the letters. The second thing is a certified copy of the order confirming sale. So that would mean, again, you got to go to the courthouse and get it or order it from the attorney. The attorney, I mean, if it's a probate attorney, they know for sure that you need it. Um, if it's not a probate attorney, they may not know. You may have challenges and all that. But most of the attorneys have a way to get it. If your attorney says, oh, we're going to we have to order it by mail. Don't let that happen. Just go in and get it because it's way faster. And, you know, things get lost in the mail. The request sits there on someone's desk. You don't want to deal with all that. That if they, if they order it by mail, it can take three weeks or a month. Whereas you can walk in. I had a transaction that client had to close and it was closing like that week. I think it was close, supposed to close the next day. And the guy called me. It was like not even early in the morning. It was like 11 o'clock or almost noon. And he tells me we have to close tomorrow. I said, well, look, go down to the courthouse and get it. He goes down to the courthouse gets the certified copy, drives it to escrow. We closed the next day as he was supposed to. The attorney was saying, we have to order it by mail. It's going to take three weeks. I said, yeah, don't do that. Just go in there and pick it up. Again, these things are public record. Anyone can go in and get any court order on a file, on a case. Okay, so plain copy of the letters. Certified copy of the order confirming sale. That is the order that came out of the court confirmation hearing when they went in to confirm the sales price because someone had limited authority to confirm that sale. It's the court order that says, yep, this guy won the bid, sell the property, et cetera, and, and there you go. So we have to have a certified copy of that. That means the one with the wet stamp from the courthouse saying it's certified. And then the last thing is the same as on full authority, um, the email from the attorney saying no estate taxes are due. So those are the five key errors. Again, if it's something that you know you're going to need, you might as well keep that in mind. Know that up front. If you're an investor and you're going to be writing offers, you know it up front. If you're an agent, um, you know know that up front. And the good thing is that if you know these things and you know how the process is, it really helps the situation. And that brings me to my bonus. I always like to undercommit and overdeliver. So these are the top five mistakes. I'm going to give you a bonus one. Um, the key is not understanding the probate process. If you don't understand the process for getting through a probate sale, it really hurts you. Um, and like I said earlier, it's almost the same on every case. I, I can tell you right now, if you tell me the case that you're dealing with and what situation, I'm going to ask you a few questions and I'll tell you, this is what we're going to require to close. So why wouldn't it behoove you as a real estate professional to know those things as well? 
because that's huge value you can give to your client. When you understand what's required to close, when you understand the documents, when you understand how the process goes, the difference between limited authority and full authority, when you understand these things, it helps you look like a master professional to your client. And nine times out of 10, your client is gonna feel that they're not being communicated with well, they don't understand everything that's going on, they're being left in the dark because attorneys can't handhold every client. So the more you know about the process, the better off you are helping them um, with that. And I have some free work, I have a, a website on Facebook that you can see one of my trainings on training how to, uh, the, the probate process. I've done uh, trainings here for Bill. So they're in his archive and his YouTube channel on, on training on the probate process. So you, you have that stuff, access to that stuff real easily. Now, I see a few questions. I'm going to answer those and then I'm going to open the floor for anyone else to ask questions. But before I do that, I want to take um, a moment to ask this little quiz. So the first, actually, I'm going to take these two questions here first, and then I'll let you guys unmute and ask this. So the first question, Kevin, if I recall, you wrote a few books on this. Can you share those titles? Yes. One is called Probate Real Estate Sales 101. Probate Real Estate Sales 101. The other one is called The Wholesaler's Guide to Closing Real Estate Deals. That book is not about how to wholesale and how to price and all that stuff. That book is about how to structure your transaction and get around the challenges you have in a wholesale deal to be able to close. So it's all about the escrow um, structuring. Um, so those are the two books. If you go on Amazon and you put in my name, Kevin Sales, I'm going to put my name in the chat. It's S-A-Y-L-E-S. -E if you go on Amazon and put in my name, my books will come up and they're right there available on Amazon. Thank you for that question. That was a good question. Um, are you recording this? I'm hosting an open house that is full authority so i want to be able to explain the process outstanding so yes it is being recorded and i'm not even sure oh it says joanne stevens joanne i highly recommend that you contact me um, i can walk you through the process one of the things that i do with agents is when you have a um, transaction i'll walk you through step by step i'll tell you here you know okay so you know you door knocked here's what you do now Okay, you got the listing. Here's what you do now. Okay, you got an offer. Here's what you do now. I'll walk you through step by step. I, rather than telling you the whole story to get to all the way to the end, I tell you step by step. So for instance, let me, let me give you an example. You're going to drive from here to New York. I'm not going to explain to you what you do when you get to Ohio. I'm not going to explain to you what you do when you're in um, New Jersey. I'm not going to explain to you all those turns. I'm going to tell you, okay, first thing you do is you get on the 10 freeway east. Okay, when you get on the 10 freeway east, you're going to be on that for five hours. So sometime in that five hours, call me, and then I'll tell you what freeway you take after that, okay? And then I'll say, okay, when you get to Louisiana, you take the, I don't know, when you get to Florida, you take the I-95 North. I'm trying to think of a freeway that goes to New York. When you get to Florida, take the I-95 North. So that'll be three days from now. So when you're coming up to Florida, you call me, and I'll tell you to get on the I-95 North, right? So I'll give you one step. So it's not so much to remember. I'll give you one step at a, at a time. I call it like handholding, right? I handhold you through the process because there's things you need to know. There's things you need to do so the transaction keeps moving forward. You don't want to get to the end and escrow is asking you for X, Y, Z. And you're like, oh, I didn't know I needed that. So, um, so Joanne, good idea to call me um, and I can get that information to you and walk you through that. So very good question. Okay, I put my, my, my phone number in the, in the chat. I'll put my email as well. put my personal well not my personal but my work email my permanent work email um, there so you guys can have that as well so you guys can reach out to me okay so I, I, a little pop quiz i don't know if anyone knows this but i'm going to ask so i mentioned to you that the notice of proposed action when there's full authority sale the attorney has to file a notice of proposed action and that the heirs have 15 days where they can dispute that sale, they can say, nope, the house is worth more, or no, I didn't want it to be sold, I'm supposed to get this property, et cetera. They have 15 days to do that. What if you have a seven-day escrow? What if you have a 10-day escrow and you need to meet a faster closing date? So the, it's a two-part question. First part, can you close in faster than 15 days? So uh, let's unmute. Someone tell me if you can close in faster than 15 days on a full authority sale. I wish I had Jeopardy music to play right now. I want to see if anyone uh, has the answer to that. You know, da, 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 da. okay, who is this? Julie. Hi, Julie. Great. Hi. 
What's no, your answer? They can't. No. No, they can't. Right. I mean, it makes sense, right? 15 yeah. days that they can dispute. So how can you close during that 15 days? So quick poll. How many of you agree with Julie? Okay, I see a hand me. there. Me. Said me. How many me. don't agree with you? Okay, I see some thumbs up. A few of you agree with, okay, great. How many of you don't agree? How many of you feel like there should be a way I can close within 15 days? Agree, I see, agree, I see, yes. Okay, so people agree. So that was a good guess, and that would seem to be correct, but the answer is, actually, I disagree. The answer is you can close within 15 days. The fastest probate that I personally have closed was, it was seven days, but it was seven days over the, the 4th of July holiday. I think it was back in like 2014 or 2015. So seven days over the 4th of July holiday. So in other words, it was really more like, four business days because it was a weekend and then the fourth of july was like on a monday or something or a friday so it was like four business days so you can the way you do that is two ways number one if the heirs have filed a waiver meaning hey my brother you're the administrator or executor i trust you you can sell this product whatever you're going to do i know you're going to do the right thing so you don't have to give me notice i waive my notice on this transact on this probate case if you have a waiver if there's been waivers filed for the heirs then you don't need uh, then they don't even have to um, um, really file the notice them for the notice of pros action. They still have to file because it, it needs to be in the case file, but they don't have to notice them directly. Second thing, which is more common, is consent. The notice of proposed action is a court form. So you fill it out, you write in the details of the transaction. It's on a court document form. If you turn that court form over, the back of it is the consent. It says yes. on the back, I consent to this sale signed and they sign their name right there so if one of the heirs says yeah we need to close in five days cool i can consent to the sale and then you can go ahead and move forward and close within that 15-day period so even though there is a 15-day waiting period after the notice of proposed action is filed you can close in less than that if you have consent or waivers and like i said fastest one i've closed was four business days which was like seven you know calendar days all right, so I'm glad we got that cleared up. I want to take a moment now to open the floor up for Q&A. Um, does anyone have questions about probate, about the process, about anything having to do with this probate world that I might be able to answer for you? I see a lot of silence. No questions, no one has a, you know, it's your chance to ask an expert, someone who closes probate transactions daily and weekly. Um, you see, if you, if you guys have a question, it'd be good to get it out now. I just and, have to go over the um, the webinar that you're giving now because I came in late because I was on another webinar. Yeah, Joanne, um, look in the chat and definitely take down my number and text me when we're done because this will be good. I'm here. I'm covering some highlights, the uh, you know five mistakes to not make, but there mm -hmm. are some, some very good, very simple thing thing that you can look at. That will give you, I have a, a free video on Facebook. There's a very simple way you can get that information and you'll know exactly what's going to go on with your, with your transaction. Um, Cause sounds like you're full authority. So definitely text me after we're done. Okay. Question. Thank you. Questions. Is, Calif is California a, un a unique state yep. or is it similar around the country? Like in New York or South Carolina? Okay. Yeah. So, so the the overall probate process is very similar across the nation in that you typically file there'll be a there'll almost every state many many states offer letters the letters will designate who's in charge they're going to be called an administrator or executor so those things are similar now in california we have a very unique process most states do probate sales that are are similar to our full authority still, where you can sell on your own. You don't. You just report it to the court later. Is not a lot of court supervision. Um, we're pretty unique in that we have court confirmation sales that take up a, a pretty good portion of the transactions. I mean, I don't know the exact number. Actually, Bill would probably know the exact number. He tracks a lot of this stuff. I would guess that it's around 30, 35% that are limited authority, maybe a hair more, like maybe as much as 40% that are limited authority and the other, you know, 65, 60, 65% are full authority. But the, our limited authority sales are 
much more court intensive or much more involved with the court and supervised than most other states have. A lot of other states don't have a, a process similar to that. So um, North Carolina, you mentioned North Carolina. North Carolina is like a unicorn. Uh, I know an attorney, she's from there. She, you know, I think she grew up there for a while and then she lived here, um, became an attorney here, practiced law, moved back home to North Carolina, started practicing law there. And she left there and she frankly told me, Kevin, they're just, it's, it's, it's like the wild, wild west out there. It's too crazy. It, what happens in probate there in North Carolina, Carolina doesn't even make sense. For instance, this is what she told me. In North Carolina, the, um, the real property does not become part of a person's estate. It's, it's crazy. I mean, here in California, most of the states, you know, if it wasn't for the real property, they probably wouldn't even be doing a probate. The, mm -hmm. the real property is the only thing in the estate a lot of times. Yet in North Carolina, they say um, that real property does not become part of the estate. So it's, it's an odd difference. So anyway, long and short of it is every state is going to have their differences. There, if, if, you, if you read my book, there are 16 or 17 states that adopted the majority of the uniform probate code, which you can Google and find that online, but, um, but each state might have their own modifications. And so you can, you can you know, get yourself in some hot water if you don't know. So with probate, you do have to know what's going on locally. Their probate laws will be the same for a state, but there will be variations county by county in logistics or procedures. So it's important to know that. Okay, so let's see here. Uh, what kind of paperwork do you take to the court during the hearing. So if you're talking about the confirmation hearing, you know, if you're representing the seller, obviously I would have my, my file, you know, with my listing agreement, my disclosures, all that. You're probably not going to use any of that stuff, but you know, you should have it with you. Um, obviously you would take the contract with you so that if any terms are brought into question, you have those terms with you. And, and then after, you know, after someone wins the bid in a court confirmation hearing, you take notes and, 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 get the details of it was this price, we changed this term or whatever. Generally speaking, the person confirmed in court accepts the terms in the original contract, but if there's any modification or change in any terms, you wanna take that stuff down. Why? Because the attorney ends up writing those into the court order, which become part of the contract of your sale. So, um, so you take that. If you're representing the buyer, you should bring everything. By the way, if you're representing a buyer and you're a real estate agent, you have two choices. If you want commission or if you don't want commission. I would think most of us, because this is not a hobby, want commission. So if you want commission, you go to the court with that buyer, because mm. if not, the listing agent is going to double in. So if it's court confirmation, go to court with your buyer. If, it's, okay. if you're appearing via court call, then you appear as well. You need to be present and make it known that you're present. So if you're, if you're appearing with your buyer, you want to make sure you have everything that you would use to prove a buyer can buy on a regular transaction. You want to have that with you. So Proof of funds, if they're getting a loan, credit score, copy of their approval, copy of their DU, um, whatever those things are, uh, you know, make sure that you have all the documentation from the buyer to prove that they can close. And the biggest, most important is their cashier's check. Have yeah. to have their cashier's check. Uh, um, a person was saying one time that she was in court and it was her and her husband, I guess, that were partners. She was there in court to bid. And, and when they got there, they didn't realize you had to have a cashier's check. So she called her husband or her husband was there. He left to go get the cashier's check. When their case came up, she said, your honor, my husband texted me. He's at security coming back in with the cashier's check. And she said the judge did not let her bid. These sales go quick. They go fast. They're not messing around. They want to get to a closed sale as quick as possible. So have your stuff ready. If you're representing a buyer, go there with all your documentation and your cashier's check for at least 10% of whatever amount you're going to bid up to. So very good question. Uh, let's see, I got to put my glasses on so I can read some of these. Kevin, I don't see your number. I'll put it in there again. Just I'll, I'll read it right now, everyone. It's in the chat. You can scroll up. My phone number is 213-364-3810. I'll put it in the chat again. Um, so that everyone knows my number and I'll put my name as well, 213-364-3810 and my email. Okay, there we go. So it's in there one more time. It's at the bottom of the chat. All right, let's see. Um, need your Facebook info. I have a, a free Facebook group. It is, trying to remember, Pro. Probate Real Estate Sales 101 Facebook group. 
So you should be able to Google that. You'll see my picture or, or something maybe that looks like my book. You'll probably see that on there. My assistant manages that stuff, so I can't even remember exactly what it looks like, but you'll find that. And then in there, in the units in there is a, a free probate workshop where I talk about full authority sales. I give a lot of background. I give you tech, uh, term, terminology, et cetera. It's a really good training that I, I do in there. Um, also, easiest way to find a probate attorney. You can Google it. You can go on avo.com or you can call or text me. I know numerous. I would say call me because I would ask you some questions. I know countless probate attorneys that I've been working with for decades, and I would refer you three. You could choose them, figure out which one you like, and go from there. Um, you're going to email me for more details. Excellent. Kevin, you are a lawyer or a realtor? You are awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much. No, I am not a lawyer. I work for a company called Lawyers Title but I am a, I'm basically a title rep. Uh, but years back, I realized, back in 2002, I realized how much I know about probate more so than the average realtor, the average uh, normal person in title. So I started in 1993 at a company called Household Bank. If you remember Household Finance, they were like, they were like the equivalent of today's hard money lenders. They were a large finance company. They, they were loan sharks like Beneficial and all these other companies, right? So we did a lot of loans, even though we were at a bank. Well, as a branch manager, I had to know a lot about probate because I dealt with a lot of probate situations. When I became a branch manager at Home Savings of America, I was in a, um, in a branch that was burned during the 1992 riots. So we had original conservatorship papers, guardianship papers, and probate papers that were in files that were burned, original documents. We had to have these original documents to do transactions. So you can imagine the pressure on me as a manager when someone comes in to do a transaction on their account and I have to tell them, oh, you can't do your transaction because we don't have the documents now, right? Because they were burned. So I had to create files, I had to go to the courthouse, recreate court files, et cetera. So by the time I got to the title company in 1999, I realized I have a wealth of knowledge about this business, about probate more so than anyone. And so, you know, over a decade ago, I really started upping my marketing and letting people know my expertise here so I could help real estate agents and investors, you know, do more in their probate business. So that's what I do. Um, let's see. The next question. Hawaii doesn't use attorneys for regular real estate transactions. Yeah. In California, we don't use attorneys for regular real estate transactions either. You know, a lot of the states east of Texas do use attorneys um, on the transactions. Kind of odd. You know, I did a transaction personally where I bought a property in Chicago. I'm an investor too. I invest in real estate. And it's so weird, the, the, the relationship. I mean, at some point I was like, why do I even have a real estate agent? The attorney negotiated all the terms once we got into escrow. So it can be very different in some of those states than we are here in California. Um, okay. So my friend is low income. For bond, he is asked to put bond for two years, even though he has a lawyer, he has limited authority. Yeah, so um, it's a good question. It kind of brings up a question a lot of people ask for it for for bond. Bond, what a bond is, is it covers. So there's a person in charge of the estate. It's almost like error and emissions insurance, right? If that person in charge of the estate makes an error and it causes a loss to the estate, it's not fair to the heirs. It's not fair to me as an heir that I don't get my full inheritance because my brother made a paperwork error or made a dumb error with the money or spent some money or stole some money. It's not fair to me. So the bond is put in place usually for the amount of the assets to cover me, right? To cover the heirs. So um, that's gonna be required. The bonding company, if a person doesn't have, the bonding company, basically they have a credit worthiness. If a person isn't credit worthy or if they're out of state, then, then the, the bonding company oftentimes won't give them a bond. Um, there is not a waiver for a bond. You can talk with your attorney and there may be some ways to work it out where you do get a bond, um, even though in some instances they wouldn't like blocked accounts. Sometimes they can negotiate that the money would be put in a blocked account so the person cannot touch it. Um, but you can call me. I can refer you to some attorneys that might be able to help you with that um, and talk you through some stuff. So there you go. Let's see. How much do you charge to walk us through a transaction? Um, I, I don't charge anything. That's part of what I do um, as, a, as a title person to help people close their deals. You know, I'm, I'm trying to close real estate transactions. And so I help you get through the minutiae. So awesome. Thanks for this information. Thank you very much for saying that. We just joined the Facebook group. It's awesome. I heard it's best to get paperwork signed even in hospital bed. Is that true? Um, I'm, I'm not going to really answer that. That's a, more of a legal question because if someone's on a deathbed or something like that, um, you know, there can be some legalities that come into play on if they have capacity to sign. So oh, yeah. every case is going to be different on that. I suggest you get legal advice on that one. Um, and do I have a good escrow? Absolutely. Of course I do. So contact me about that. 
Uh, what is the name of the Facebook group? Probate Real Estate Sales 101. Um, Dennis Wilson is the lawyer, is with lawyers title. Do you know him? No, I do not. Um, I'm in LA County. We have 30 reps plus another probably 50 or so employees. I can't say that I know personally everyone. I know most of them because I've been there eight and a half years, but i um, not sure who that person is. Um, am I an agent as well? Can I send you out if out-of-state referrals? Um, um, I happen to have a broker's license, but I have that because of my real estate investing. If you have referrals, I know plenty of agents that I can refer you to that would help you very well. And I am uh, very good at that. So absolutely. Any, I see a hand. Um, Joanne, do you have a question? Yeah, I have a question because sure. I just want to make sure even if the home is full of a full authority, the listing agreement is 90 days. That is the uh, that's the max. That you can that's list the California home. law is my understanding. It's, it's a guideline in the California law that they want 90 days. Yes. So you have to be prepared to extend that. Okay. I just want to make sure about that. Yeah. Yep. 90 days is what they want to see. So my question is, let's say, let's say an agent, if an agent listed a, a home and it had full authority and they did not, uh, they went over the 90 days. Yeah, you could, you could have a problem because, you know, you could be out of contract, you know, it could jeopardize your commission when you get in the escrow and um, the escrow offer could be looking at things going, yeah, you, you were out of, you were out of, you didn't have a, a, a valid listing contract to be able to get commission. That could be an issue. Um, it could be an issue where the attorney says you're not, you know, you're not in line here. So the key is, you know, be mindful of that 90 days, you know, that's what it says in, in the, in the probate code. Um, so be mindful of that and um, be ready to, be, be ready to renew it if they're past the 90 days. So that's a, a very important piece of the puzzle. Someone here yeah. says, have ever closed in Atlanta? Yes, I have done transactions out there. Um, um, you know, not very often, but I do know quite a few people. I was looking to buy property actually in Atlanta a, long, a while back. So I'm a little bit familiar with that state. Um, someone says, are you a title company? Um, I'm not a company, but I work for a title company. So yeah, I do work for a title company. Good. I think we've got through some questions. Does anybody else have any more questions before I wrap up here? Yes. Hi, Kevin. This is Julie again. Hi, Julie. Hey. So um, I wanted to ask you in regards to the extension of the, um, uh, the listing, do we talk to the seller or the attorney? So, so if you remember when we talked about the letters, the letters put someone in charge of the estate. Okay, they, they can be in charge of the state and not even have an attorney. So when, when they get letters, for instance, if I'm the heir that's gonna be in charge and the letters say, Kevin Sales is appointed administrator, I'm now your seller, I'm now everything. You don't have to go through the attorney, you can deal directly with me because I'm your seller. Okay. So, so when you extend your listing, it's that, that administrator's signature that you need on, on your contract, on your listing agreement, on, on everything. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Good question. Any other question before I count it down to, to, yeah. Uh, what was that Facebook group? What was that Facebook group? Uh, that you belong to probate 101 probate real estate sales 101. All right. Well, if there's no other questions, I thank, thank you. you all for being here. Oh, I do see a couple questions here. Here we go. Christopher Jackson, attorney, have you heard his name and my feedback? Well, first, I wouldn't give feedback on an attorney uh, like that, especially if it was negative. I wouldn't do it on an open forum like this. That would just be rude. Um, I, have, I have not heard that attorney's name before. And I know a lot of attorneys work with a lot of them and I haven't heard that name, but I don't know every attorney in LA County either. So that's neither here nor there. And maybe he's in a different county. He may be the number one attorney in another county and I, I wouldn't necessarily know him. So don't know that person. Um, what's the location of our title company? Well, our title company's corporate, corporate office is in Burbank, but we have offices in each county and we do business throughout the state and throughout the nation. So um, again, my name is Kevin Sales. You guys have my contact info please reach out to me, um, especially Joanne, definitely reach out to me so we can talk. But uh, you can reach out to me when you guys have a transaction. I can help walk you through the process. If you have a lead you're working on and you're trying to figure out, I can't, can't get this to work right, I can help you with parts of the transaction that will make things go a little smoother for you. So definitely reach out to me when you have those. And um, thank you guys for being here. Uh, Bill had me as the guest speaker today. It's my honor. 
and I appreciate you all being here um, and, and talking to you. Oh, another question. Do I do strictly probate? Absolutely not. I do all title. I have commercial transactions. I have regular sale transactions. I do. A, I probably do more probate business than anyone else in the county does, but I do a lot of regular transactions as well, just because, you know, I got to put food on the table. So I do tons of regular title transactions every day as well. Thank you for asking that. Thank you guys. And um, I'm sure Bill will have the recording of this up and online real soon here. Thanks for attending. See you all the next time Bill has me um, on his channel and uh, have a good evening. Thanks for being here. What's happening, Josh? Good to see you.